Blog Talk Radio. Get your game tight, player. Yep, five years. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting setup. 
I play in uh, three leagues. Last year I played in four, and this is by far uh, the funnest league, the most competitive league. You know, if I go one and two each week, the one league I want to win in is this league. And uh, yeah. it's a unique setup. We 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 can start a quarterback, two receivers, two running backs, tight end, defense, kicker. But then there's some unique things. Um, the flex, we can play a quarterback, and then we can play up to five, I believe, defensive individual defensive players. So, uh, you know, I know every year you try to tweak it so that, you know, there's incentive for managers to stay in it um, and to be engaged, even though they may not be making the playoffs. Talk about some of the cool things you do to kind of, uh, you know, kind of have fail-safes to make sure that managers stay engaged. Yeah, actually, one thing that I did uh, starting last year was um, to try to keep the managers engaged, as you mentioned, you know, especially toward the tail end of the season is to provide some kind of incentive if you go to an 0-2, on 3 start. Um, so what we did is we moved toward rewarding the highest point for that particular week. So we'll take the, um, you know, the entry fee that uh, that that, that uh, you come into the league with, and it's basically almost basically 50 bucks per week goes to the highest scoring team. So try to give them an incentive each week to want to put that best lineup in so you can put your best foot forward to keep the league competitive. So to me as the commissioner, I think that's one of the most important things is to make sure that you have a competitive league each week individuals are keeping their lineup in. I think for most experienced fantasy football players, one of the worst things you can run across is you got four or five managers that just do not touch the roster. Right. And, you know, right. while that's good for if you're playing them, that's a good thing because you get an easy win. But for, you know, the respect and integrity of the league, that's something that we got to try to, you know, get better at. Those. So, so this is something that really helped us move forward. So, Yeah, so that's one thing I like. And, you know, the you know the extra money we get each week when we get the top score um, and also, um, you know, getting recognized for blowout of the week, which, which by the way, listeners, um, your boy Phil T. <laughs> took on both of those these past week. Uh, you know, with this league, it's a lot of scoring, man. I mean, 280 points, I think, is what I had last week. And some weeks, that's not yeah. even the most. So, you know, Eric, talk about the JV division. Because I think uh, the weekly payouts in terms of the highest score is something that keeps managers engaged. But then for me, I want to stay out of the JV division. So tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing on that, uh, you know, Sean Lee went bananas for field last week. PT put up. Uh, Sean Lee had 46 points. That guy had 15 tackles. Uh, he he was a monster last week. So that was that was an excellent hold on to because we'll get into IDP, but a lot of managers would have tried to give up on Sean Lee, but Phil was able to stay the course. So yeah, we I do have close. the JV league over there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, so we do have we have two divisions. A lot of ways to set it up. So we have you know one division, which is everyone that made the playoffs the previous season gets lumped into one division. And then we've got the other league. The other league is the league you don't really want to be a part of, but basically the other league is the individuals that didn't make the playoffs uh, the previous year. And so, you know, they get ridiculed a little bit. It's more like the JV division. You know, uh, we always tell them step up to the grown man game. The commercial says right. grown man insurance. Grown man insurance. That's right. You know, That's right. So, uh, so that's good. And I would like to say that Derek Page of Dallas, Texas, um, I believe he's in the JV division this year, right? <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, a shout-out for Derek Page. You on national radio. Uh, although DP did have a good week last week, uh, I have to be sure to send him a link to this uh, to this podcast and make sure he knows that I'm putting him out there. But, uh, but the man, those – you know, those are two things that, that you do to keep the league fresh. Um, so so how have you been doing in terms of the season? Looking up and down your roster right now, you know, Matthew Stafford is really your big guy as well as Brandon Marshall. But, you know, I mean, one of your best receivers, you know, has been injured for the most of the year. Yeah, Danny Amendola, he's one of those guys that I, I took right around the fourth round, I believe. And I think everyone knows that when he's in the game, he is going to produce. I think you had him last year, and the guy, whenever he plays, he produces. He put up 23 yeah. points in our in our league that first week, and he missed um, a quarter of football. 
And so the guy is going to produce. He's got a top-flight quarterback that's throwing him the ball. It's a high-profile offense, and he's one of those possession receivers, and he can also get get deep. So when he comes back and he's actually healthy, he is going to produce numbers. So just for the listeners out there, something that you have to be careful of with Amendola. So when he comes back, of course he's going to produce. Do you want to risk holding on to Amendola for the remainder of the season, or do you want to move him when he comes back, have a good game, a game or two, and his value is going to be high? So it's 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 a risk involved with this fantasy football, and that's that's one player in particular that you got to keep your eye on because it's an injury risk, along with Darren McFadden and those sorts of guys. It's you never know when they're going to get injured, but you know they are going to get injured. Yeah, one of the reasons you always do so well in this in this league, and I mean, I'll say it, um, I won it last year, but I think the previous three or four years, Eric had won, and, uh, you know, his team name is Dynasty, and unfortunately, we all used to hate that name, Dynasty, but uh, <laughs> but there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it. You know, the commissioners just always winning, but one of the reasons you really did well is about four or five years ago, we switched over to individual defensive players. You know, before a lot of leagues and before a lot of managers and commissioners did, I would say IDP is getting to be more popular. ESPN leagues right now, it's like 45% of leagues are IDP. But when we started four or five years ago, you know, we didn't know how to draft for IDPs. I mean, it was really a challenge. There weren't a lot of rankings. And looking back, that's one of the things you did really well. You know, one of the things we wanted to talk about this week is IDP. And, you know, last year guys like Cookley and Riley – I mean, they were like IDP all-stars as rookies. You know, you've got two on your roster so far that have really carried your team over the first four or five, four weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm one that, uh, as you mentioned, since everyone is kind of catching up on the IDP side, you got to find a way to, uh, to, to, to keep a leg up. So for me, I try not to draft IDPs early other than J.J. Watt, because I think he's the true game-changer for his position, similarly to a J.J. Right. Graham, um, but uh, is to try to wait on him. So, you know, there's two rookies this year. Actually, there's four rookies that should be rostered on everyone's uh, team that's playing IDP. They should be rostered it's in the league. If they're not, you guys must have a very shallow league or you're not in IDP if these guys aren't rostered. Um, the two dynamic rookies that I can that, that, that off the top of my head. So, Kiko Alonso, middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. This guy is a playmaker. He's a tackle machine, and he makes plays. Now, probably not watching too many Buffalo games, but if you notice, he had two interceptions last game. This guy can flat out play. He's got 32 tackles through four games. He's got a sack and four interceptions for the season. Now, for a linebacker to have four interceptions in four games, that, that, that's amazing. That's almost unheard of. Yeah. This, yeah, I mean, that's a guy, Alonzo, who, you know, Eric, he's having a monster season so far, but I think the, you know, I think the biggest question is to ask, is it sustainable? You know, we always see defensive guys kind of jump out, you know, and have really good starters like Hookley had last year. But the question is, is do we think he's going to continue? Yeah, absolutely, and that's a good question. And with the rookies, because the NFL season is a lot longer than the collegiate season, that's always something to consider. Injuries, bodies breaking down quicker, et cetera, because a linebacker in the NFL, you're in play after play after play. Yeah. And it's very demanding. Yeah. So you you have to stay on your P's and Q's. You got to see what's going on, watching the trends, keeping an eye out for the injuries. So that's definitely something you have to keep your eye on when you're working defensive players. Ogletree, uh, what's the story oh. with him? Oh, 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 that's my guy. Because oh, you know, Larenitis, you know, Alec Ogletree, St. Louis linebacker. Uh, Larenitis was the guy I wanted to own from that team. But but yeah. Ogletree, I mean, over the first four weeks of the season in our league, he's got 72 fantasy points already. And I'll tell you what, he's got more tackles than Laronitis at this particular point in the season. Even coming off of that dominating performance that Laronitis had. Ogletree is a very fast side-to-side playmaker. That guy can hit, he makes plays, 
He's got that heavy motor. He's he's one of those newer linebackers that are a little lighter in the weight, but is very mobile. He can cover in the field. He makes tackles. I like the guy. He's the flat-out baller. I really, really have been extremely impressed with Ogletree and his ability to adapt and actually be the tackle machine for the St. Louis Rams. I'm very yeah. high on uh, Ogletree. Yeah, you know, you know the Rams. I thought they were going to turn it, turn the corner this this season. And I mean, they're not doing horrible. Um, but you know, one of the reasons Laronitis was such a big draw on fantasy football is because they're always down and teams are running on them. You know, I mean, they they open up the season with a victory over Arizona and they lost the next three. Um, with a guy like Ogletree and Laronitis, do you think their value is uh, highly correlated with how poor they do? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Most of the uh, most of the top linebackers, you know, give or take, um, and there's some other factors there, but most of the top linebackers, they're going to be on teams where the defense is going to be out there all day. And you can count on um, on Buffalo being out there a long time. You can count on uh, the Rams being out there quite a while. So, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of tackles because when you're up by 20 by halftime, you're going to run that ball. So Laronitis was just sitting there making the tackles. He was that machine. He was that middle linebacker. So these two guys are going to continue to make plays. What do you think about the safety that plays for uh, Denver? Um, this guy, he was hurt last week. He was hurt last week. Um, Duke, uh, I, I, I and Nacho. Um, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. Duke, yeah, and what's your thoughts on him? Just calling Duke Nacho is what I know him as. Nacho. Now let me tell you about Nacho. I get excited about Duke Nacho. I'm gonna tell you this right now. You do. Listen, got I got to tell you about this right. Got a little fired up. This dude is. Yeah. This dude is a baller. Now check this out. Check this out, Phil. He didn't start the. He started the season as like the fourth string safety. Over the preseason, training camp, he worked his way to the starting position. Game one, he put up 12 tackles. Just yeah. a constant, just playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. He missed most of one of the games, and he still has 28 tackles already through these weeks. The guy is just a flat-out. He just makes plays. He can hit. He can tackle. You won't catch him catching many many interceptions, but he just flat-out tackles, and he, he, he brings the heat when he's about to make tackles. So Duke, Nacho, keep an eye out for this guy because he if you're in a tackle-heavy division, tackle-heavy league, he's going to earn you some points. In our league, we get two points per solo tackle, uh, a point per assisted, a couple of points for uh, pass defense. Um, and and for me, I like to go the safer bet. You know, for yeah. linebackers, I want tackle machines versus guys who may rush the pass, uh, r- rush the passer like Suggs or James Harrison last year. Well, they'll get you sacks, but they may go a whole game with a half a tackle and, and you know, it may not get a sack. So, so for me yeah. right now, I'm pretty heavy with guys like Duke Nacho, uh, which we just kind of gave him a nickname on Real Sports Guys um, on October first, two thousand thirteen. <laughs> you know, so so right now in our league, we can start a linebacker, a defensive lineman, a defensive back, and then two essentially flex defensive player positions. And so normally, I typically always went with linebackers in those flex positions, but this year I've got Harrison Smith. Um, you know, I'm carrying mm, three defensive mm, backs. Uh, Eric mm, Waddle from San, San Diego, Harrison Smith from mm, Minnesota, and Duke Nacho. And, and honestly, when it gets to the point where they're off their buys, because right now Harrison's on a buy, so I'm going to play Weedle and Nacho this week. You know, I don't know. I may, I may play those two guys over Patrick Willis next week if Willis comes back. So, you know, um, I'm really liking these defensive backs, especially considering how much they're throwing in the NFL right now. You know, Phil, actually what you're saying is uh, it, it's it's a good observation, great observation. Three, four years ago, to say you're going to start anyone over Patrick Willis or a caliber, a linebacker, uh, you know, with that kind of caliber would be asinine. And now, taking a look at it, there's so many linebackers that Patrick Willis is a shuffle. He's, he's just a piece of the mix. And, and looking at the way the league has become so pass-heavy, your, your DBs that can hit or your matchup-dependent cornerbacks that play, 
So if you have a cornerback like a, a Cortland Finnegan that's playing against the yeah. Saints or something like that, he's going to make seven, eight tackles. So, again, matchup depending on the cornerbacks, but I take a safety over that all day because he's going to consistently have to step up and make that run or either catch that, that, that late trailing receiver that's coming out there and make a play. So what you're saying is a good observation. DBs are more valuable than they were. So so let's talk about Ike Nacho again. Um, so here's my concern with this guy. You know, we talked about Laronitis. We talked about Ogletree with St. Louis. And, you know, like the last few years, Laronitis has been so valuable because they're typically down by a score or two in the fourth quarter and teams are trying to grind out the clock. So Laronitis will easily get an extra three or four tackles in the fourth quarter. But that's six to eight extra points. But then you got Ike who's playing for clearly the best team in the NFL right now. They're up big, you know, each game so far. Um, so you're going to have teams throwing on them more than running on them in the, first, in the fourth quarter. Like, do you think it's a different philosophy here, considering he's a defensive back? Um, but talk about that. Like, how would that philosophy be, be different? You know, I've I've actually watched quite a few Denver games because, for whatever reason, I'm really excited by Duke Nacho. It could be his doggone name. But uh, I pay a lot of attention to him because I'm really high on this guy. You know what I mean? This guy is – I think he's a really ball – he's a baller and to watch his rise. Yeah. So what I've noticed a lot of times against Denver, you'll get a lot of slants and under routes that are thrown. And Duke is one of those guys where he's going to step up and put his chest or put his shoulder in your chest and make those plays. So I don't think it's going to be a factor of like a linebacker on a great team because even though he's on a great team, they have to pass to keep up and to catch up with the Broncos' high-powered offense. So I, I, I think the philosophy is a little bit different, but Duke, it's just you got to keep passing on Denver. There's no way you can keep up with that scoring machine, Peyton, because the way he has control of that offense. You have to pass, and Duke has been sticking his nose in making those plays. All right, let's talk about the Honey Badger next. Um, Tyron Matthew in Arizona. This is a guy, you know, had off the field issues, um, fell in the draft, but he is I mean, he's balling out in, in Arizona right now. Briefly tell me, uh, do you expect his numbers to continue to go up, or do you think he'll stabilize at some point? You know, they're picking on him right now because he's a young guy. But I'll tell you, the first time, I really seen him was in game one. The first time I actually heard about him and seen him on a highlight. And uh, for the viewers that paid attention to our last cipher, I was very high on Jared Kip Cook. And he had a monster game in, in, in game one. Well, he could have had another touchdown, but the Honey Badger ran him down about 25 yards and stripped the ball, and he fumbled in the end zone, and they recovered it. That was the first time I seen the Honey Badger on you know, the NFL stage. And since then, yeah. he's just making plays, just making plays, and more plays. He's got 29 tackles on the season, and he's got an interception, a forced fumble, obviously my guy, you know, Jared Cook. But I think, again, he's one of those guys that is going to consistently be there because he's not scared to tackle. He's got that Napoleon complex because he's small, Kevin Harpies. You know, so he just gets in there and he wants to prove his worth. He wasn't drafted, I'm sure, or he felt like his talent level is. So he's outworking everybody. He's out there making plays. I love the guy. I think his uh, his production is going to continue to rise. Yeah, 28 tackles so far. I mean, that's that's a good line for a middle linebacker right now. So he's really putting it in. Um, a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with you. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Both teams play hard, my man. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. 
Both teams play hard. God bless and good night. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. A quick word from Rasheed Wallace and then Mike Singletary. Um, Eric, help me make sense of these New York Jets, man. You know, before last week, so in week three, Santana Holmes, Santana Holmes, Santonio Holmes, um, and that's not three different guys. <laughs> that's the same guy. Uh, Santonio Holmes. <laughs> I like my mother. Uh, <laughs> just making up names for people. Um, Santonio Holmes had a big game last week, uh, seven or eight catches over 100 yards. His counterpart, Hill, had an outstanding week. Uh, Belay Powell, you know, is getting 20 touches a week. And Geno didn't look half bad in week three. Um, in week four, it slowed down a little bit for him. Help me make sense. Help the listeners make sense of what's going on with the New York Jets because they're out there on the waiver wire, and they are just titillating. Like, I want to pick up one of them, but then I don't want to drop somebody else I'm excited about. Yeah, and anytime you have a rookie quarterback that the jury is still out on, um, you're going to get some inconsistent performers. So you have a very young guy at the helm, which is Geno Smith. You have a very young starting running back, which, you know, he's very talented. I mean, they've got a pretty good... Um, starting running back core uh, with Bilal. So, I mean, they've, they've, got, they've got some weapons. They've got some weapons. But the receivers, I mean, I don't trust Antonio Holmes. I don't really trust uh, Curley. I, I don't trust those guys because the guy throwing them the ball is very inconsistent. And so with inconsistent quarterback play, you're going to get inconsistent up-and-down receivers. Fantasy football, yeah, you can take gambles and risk and maybe, you know, match up the uh, or play the matchups, but it's that consistency which is really going to allow you to sustain windfalls and, and take it far into the championship playoffs, et cetera. So uh, you may can get a spot matchup play with, uh, you know, Bilal or, or maybe even Curly. Curly's probably, you know, the only one that I would take consistently on offense. Well, I'll take Bilal uh, Powell. But, again, it just goes back to the inconsistent youth at the quarterback round, and he's not that good. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> so so we got four guys out here, and Eric is essentially saying don't get cute. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get cute as much as you may want to get them, Phil. I'm sorry, listeners, don't get cute. <laughs> Phil, do not pick up San Antonio Holmes. Don't get cute. Yeah. So that's some mm. positive self-talk I just gave myself, Eric, because, you know, every time <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking at the waiver wire this morning, I'm like, wow, should I pick him up? I don't know. Um, so, so Eric, let's take a, back, uh, take a step back. And, you know, last year you dropped a lot of knowledge on the listeners in terms of uh, home scorekeepers. You know, just what it sounds like, the guys that keep score for the home team, you know, in terms of tackles. Um, and and last year, a lot of listeners really appreciate it. If we have new listeners out there, um, why don't you break that down, like your philosophy with that? Well, I think uh, the important thing to know when you're playing IDP is that a catch is a catch, right? So once it actually is a catch, it touches your body, make a play, whatever you want to call it, you get credit for that that catch. It's not debatable. What tackles are, especially assisted tackles, it's up to the scorekeeper to decide, okay, is this an assisted tackle or it's simply a solo. And you have some scorekeepers that are just more friendly than others. So the information that I'll provide just kind of talks about the difference in between scorekeeping because in theory you would think that it's relatively close. Actually, it's nowhere near close. Again, you have some that are very friendly, and you have some that are very stingy with the assisted tackles. So let me drop a couple of friendly scorekeepers for you. So historically, um, the Indianapolis Colts have always been very, very friendly. The scorekeeper just kind of tosses out assists if you get near the play. I actually watched one of my guys who I have an eye on, Pat Anger. He picked up 10 tackles with nine assisted tackles. And the guy just stood near about six different players. It, it was absolutely crazy. I, I don't know how he got ten tackles. But, so, just <laughs> FYI, three weeks, three weeks, so this does not include this last Sunday, 
But through three weeks, the friendliest scorekeepers, as far as assisted tackles, were Seattle Seahawks. They have given out 67 assisted tackles through three weeks. Compared to the stingiest scorekeeper is the Atlanta Falcons scorekeeper. They have zero assisted tackles through three games. Wow. Yeah, that's stingy right there. So let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. I mean, this is a guy that gives you like, – he does not give you credit for anything. Nothing. Nothing. No. There's no, no. there's no gray area. It's either you tackle him or you did not. I mean, this guy has zero <laughs> assisted tackles. I mean, this is kind of rocking my world a little bit. How do you – I mean, how do you have – Two or three home games already, and you do not find a way to give a assisted tackle. And other guys. Well, this is the interesting. Absolutely. I mean, you've got a couple that are right there. So let me just call out the the, the stingiest scorekeeper. So, and again, I'll I'll throw some players' numbers at you so you can kind of get a feel. Atlanta Falcons have given out zero assisted tackles. St. Louis Rams, who we just talked about, Ogletree and Laronitis, they've given out two Cardinals with four. Well, Jacksonville's not tackling nobody, so, yeah. I agree. I agree. That's some bad, bad football. That's some (laughs) bad football right there. I'll tell you that right now. So, my guy, Alec Ogletree, love the guy. Love him. He's a stud. He's got 32 tackles right now. He's on one of the stingiest scorekeepers home field. Out of those 32 tackles, 29 are solo. Three are assisted tackles. Hmm. Carlos Dansby, Arizona Cardinals. Remember, before I told you, they gave out four. I mean, was that like an Arsenio Hall 1990 things that make you say, hmm, when he puts that long finger on his temple? I think it is. I mean, was that a hmm? Because it seemed like you did it just for effect, to let it sink in, Eric. Can you do it again? It's it's like when you say a rhyme, then you say "woo" after your own rhyme because you think, <laughs> you know, you think you was on, so you say "woo" afterward. It was one of those right there when you feel like you own. Yeah, it was one of those right there that just make you go hmm. Interesting. Thank you. Yes. Carlos Dansby's a se- second example. He's got thirty-seven total tackles. Plays for the Arizona Cardinals. He has zero assisted tackles. Zero. Wow. Now, let me flip it to the other side, Phil, so you can see how the friendlier scorekeepers keep track of, of their home teams. So, Daryl Smith, he's taken the uh, the place of, um, of Ray Lewis in Baltimore. Baltimore has a very, very friendly scorekeeper. So, remember, Atlanta Falcons, zero at the, at the dead bottom. Baltimore Ravens have 55 assisted tackles through their home games for three weeks. Daryl Smith has 37 total tackles. Out of those 37, 20 are assisted tackles. So he's got 17 solo and 20 assists. Let's get you with another example. Perry Riley, one of my guys from last year, his second-year sophomore guy. Washington has given up 59 or, or, or noted down 59 assisted tackles thus far. Perry Riley has 38 total tackles on the season. He's got 17 assisted tackles. So what I'm saying by this is when you <laughs> yeah, look at you your, your different linebackers. Yeah, let me let me let me get let me get to the nitty gritty. When you're looking yeah, at your yeah. key matchups, when you when you're taking your matchup and you're saying, okay, should I start this linebacker? Should I start Willis over this guy? If you take a look at where they're playing, you'll be able to know if that home scorekeeper is going to give up more assisted tackles, for instance, if you're in Seattle or playing playing Seattle at home, as opposed to if you're playing Atlanta Falcons. You're giving up zero. So, again, it's something that's not going to just make you stray away from your Carlos Dansby and those guys, Ogletree and Laronitis, but it's something that if you know they're playing at home, you have to kind of limit the amount of uh, points that you can get out of those particular players. It is either a tackle or not. It's no great room when you are in uh when you're in uh Atlanta. It's a tackle or not. Yeah, it's interesting because this philosophy has served you really well. I, I remember when we first started doing IDP a handful of years ago, you know, I would 
I would hold on to those Dequel Jacksons and the Laronidas, you know, those top five or six linebackers. I would hold them like gold, and I'd even draft a few. Where you, you know, you were more shifty. I mean, you let guys go during bye weeks. And a lot of times I would chase some of the linebackers you would have. You know, linebacker get 30 points for Eric, and then the next 10 weeks they average six points a game. And then I figured out that it was this home scorekeeper thing you follow. So uh, for the listeners out there, I mean, it's somewhat complicated, but if you want to spend an extra three minutes a week, you know, it may give you a return of extra 10 or 15 points in each fantasy football week. And we know, we know that we will pay money, good money, to get a few fantasy football points each week. Uh, Eric, let's move on to to some offensive players, point-per-reception guys. Um, You said you want to talk a little bit about Danny Woodhead. I was playing against Danny Woodhead, man, this week in one of my uh, other leagues. Guy caught two touchdowns, and I had Antonio Gates. And on the second touchdown, Phillip Rivers threw the ball. Gates thought it was coming to him, but then he figured out Woodhead was right next to him. He let Woodhead take it. And I'm sitting there watching TV, you know, on my couch, and I'm just like, grab it, grab it, grab it. And he didn't grab it with Woodhead. Yeah, yeah. What's the deal with Woodhead? Woodhead, man, if you think of it, he's a Caucasian version of uh, Darren Sproles. The guy in a PPR points per reception league, he's a monster. The way that they're using him, the way that the Chargers are using him is very similar to the way the Saints are using Darren Sproles and how the Chargers used him before. It's continuing to match up a Danny Woodhead with a linebacker. Linebackers aren't traditionally fast, quick, and mobile, right? So you line up a running back, which, you know, a receiver like like a Woodhead, a guy that can catch very well out of the backfield, you line him up on a mm-hmm. linebacker, you put him one-on-one, you know, put him in space, he's going to abuse him because that's not traditionally what linebackers do. Your Patrick Willis-type guys, they want to hit you head-on. So, I mean, this guy has been an absolute monster over the last three weeks. He's got 19 rushes for 90 yards on the ground. He's got 20 receptions for 146 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the guy's averaging four and a half uh, yards a carry, seven and a half yards per reception. Again, if you're playing in a PPR league, if this guy's on your waiver wire, I'm telling you right now, stop the broadcast, pick him up, and thank me later. He probably is gone by now since he just had a big uh, a big weekend performance. But this guy, I've been relatively high on him for a while. I think that the, the, his, his trend is going to die down eventually. It's going to slow down this type of production. But as of right now, ride the wave while you can. Danny Woodhead. So, I mean, the natural question out there for everybody listening, hearing about Woodhead, is what does this do to Ryan Matthews' um, stock? Ryan Matthews was a guy that was drafted, you know, in the mid-rounds, and and, and one of my leagues he was drafted as high as the fourth round. Um, And he's out there in two of my three leagues right now on the waiver wire. Like, what does this do to his value for the rest of the season? You know that's hilarious, man, because I was thinking the same thing. I picked him up on a waiver wire. I was like, wow, why why is he available? And I didn't pay much attention to him until I started to watch some of the you know the games and the tape. And, again, it's Phillip Rivers has been on fire. He has played some lights-out ball. The change from North Turner to his new style is absolutely night and day. And he's getting the ball out quicker, et cetera, et cetera. So with that being said, he has a new toy, which is Danny Woodhead. So he's using – that toy. So they're, they're playing in California, so it's not like the cold weather is going to come and they have to run the ball. I think Matthews is definitely taking a hit. Again, if you see the guy on the waiver wire, it's because it's due to him not performing. And he hasn't had a ton of opportunity, but I think that's going to change. If he's on your waiver wire, I wouldn't mind if you've got room on your bench to kind of hold out and maybe see if he's going to get more touches. Um, I would hold on to him because I think he's going to his, his value is going to increase. He's going to have a big game here pretty soon, and once he does, I don't know if that's going to be a trend. But for me, I may sell him at that price at that right time, or if you're conservative, you can hold out for a while. But if he's on your waiver wire and you have room on your bench, I would pick him up. Alfred Morris for the Redskins that hurt a little bit um, during that game. It's unclear how long he'll be out. Uh, what are your thoughts on Halu? I love Halou. I think Roy Halou Jr. is a baller. He he is a flat-out stud, in my opinion. 
and I am very uh, I'm very surprised that he doesn't get more PT because Alfred Morris as a as a pound and and, and ground round and pound uh, running back that he is the guy has hands of stone and Roy Hallou <laughs> got he he can catch very well a couple of seasons ago when he was a starting back he caught 49 passes so he's an excellent receiver and if if you watch the game you know when he came in and filled in for Alfred Morris. That guy looked really good. He had some jumping cuts. He had some great plays. I mean, he was catching out of the backfield. The guy is extremely talented. If Alfred Morris goes down, now, if he stays, I don't know how long this rib injury, if it's, you know, because they got to buy this week, so we won't really, you know, have an extra week to rest. But if, um, if, if Morris is out any time, a week or two, Kalu will put up RB2 numbers. He's going to get you in a points per reception league he'll get you 15 consistent points because he's just that good. I would say if he's on your waiver wire, not knowing exactly the extent of the injury to Alfred Morris, you want to pick him up. So, Eric, uh, you know, one of the benefits of having, you know, your own radio show with, uh, with my man, the Game Changer, and D. Wills, is that I can ask, you know, guys like you, uh, guys like Luke Hoover from ESPN and Rotowire, um, questions about my roster. <laughs> yeah. So so I went all in on Percy Harvin. Uh, in the league yeah. with you and I, my receivers are subpar. I've got Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith. Um, and, you know, Bolden's value, who knows what, what, what's going to happen when Crabtree comes back and Manningham. And then Steve Smith is just, he's old. So with, <laughs> with Percy Harvin, I mean, I went all in. He is stashed on all three of my rosters. Um, when do you think he'll be back? Well, well I can kind of answer that. I mean, the Seahawks have not really come out, um, although they can't shut up Harvin from his Twitter account. And he's just, you know, he just keeps saying, you know, how well um, you know, he's coming along in terms of his recovery. He was on Pro Football, um, a show with Mike Florio. And, you know, I mean, he just keeps saying that, hey, I'm doing extremely well. The hip, you know, he's coming back from the hip surgery. Um, but it's it's really unclear when he'll be back. Some people have said week seven, week eight, week nine. Um, what are your thoughts on Harvin when he gets back and, you know, what he can contribute to your fantasy football team? Well, I think what you did, Phil, and I've got him in a couple of leagues as well, or one of my leagues, is uh, you're planning for the future. So you're building a team for the championship. You have your eye on the prize. A championship is not won in week seven, eight, nine, right? So you're putting a team together for that championship run. So I wouldn't care if Harvin came back in week 11. When he comes back and he gets a week or two under his belt, you know the type of caliber player that you have on your team. As long as he comes back, he's halfway healthy. You see what he did in, in Minnesota. You know that's the type of player. He's a he's a second round pick, third round pick at at at, uh, at the worst case when he's healthy. So you know what you just picked up is you picked up a second third round talent off the waiver wire. And yes, you have to hold the bench spot available for him. But when he comes back, your receiving corp has just jumped up that much higher because he's going to be a performer because he's a flat out baller. He performs, he gets it done, he may have his little headaches from time to time, but you know when he's That's on right. the field, he can That's do right. so much. He That's can do right. so much. That guy's a doctor. I, I forgot about the headaches. I had him a couple of years ago, and that drove me crazy with the migraines. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. last year was, I mean, people don't forget, I mean, this is a guy that was, you know, arguably, you know, in the MVP conversation through the first nine weeks of the season. You know, I mean, look at a couple of his games. I mean, he was getting double-digit targets every week in Minnesota. And granted, he's in a new offense, but this is a guy that was giving you kick return yardage, a little bit of rushing yardage, doing over 100 yards uh, on three occasions in nine weeks. You know, he had over eight receptions on five different occasions. I mean, this is a guy in a PPR. I mean, he could just be a monster. Absolutely, and Randall Cobb, they're, they're they're using Randall Cobb very similarly to they use to the way Minnesota used Percy, and so you can tell at how they're using him that they want that same type of model because Randall Cobb is very flexible. So again, when he comes back, it doesn't matter when Phil you have him on your team, you're built for the playoffs, baby. 
So Eric, uh in our league, you uh you had an interesting week. Um you made a move, you got Brandon Marshall. Um tell the listeners about that deal, uh who what players were involved and, and your thinking behind it. Yeah, so uh you know, I'm in sales for a living, so that's what I do. I get excited when it's time to make a deal. So I uh, when, when I see an opportunity to make a deal, I get excited. When I see somebody make me a trade offer, I mean, I start getting excited. I start twitching. So, you know, when I seen that a, a, a manager was struggling at 0-3 and they had some areas that, that I could help address without dampering my team too much and, and increasing. Um, <laughs> Wait, a know, my... <laughs> Wait a minute, Eric. I mean, the way you framed it, Eric, the way you framed it is like you're playing for charity. You know, it's like you are out here like a philanthropy, you know, philanthropist. Eric said, when I see a team that's 0-3 and, and I can help them, you know, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes you listen to sociopaths and they say things out loud and you're like, does this person really believe this? Uh, Eric, we just had a moment like that. We just had a moment like that. You know, Phil, I'm I'm all about trying to, you know, help the help the leagues. Every it makes sure everybody's got a uh, a good uh, good team. So I seen the manager that was struggling. I seen a couple of areas that I could help him. So he had Brandon Marshall on his team, and uh, you know Brandon Marshall is very consistent, top three five receiver at uh, at worst case. Uh, so obviously he's a baller. So he's got a superstar, but he's struggling. So I decided, okay, Antonio Brown just came off a Sunday night. 196-yard performance, 50-plus points in our league, nationally televised game that everybody's seen. I traded D'Antonio Brown. Jared Cook, who I'm still high on. I know he's kind of came down from that high from week one, but I'm still high on the guy. Sam Bradford can actually throw that ball at any particular time in his life. Jared Cook is a baller. And then added some running back depth with Ahmad Bradshaw. So I packaged those three, and again, Bradshaw came off of a 15-point performance. He put up 96 yards against the San Francisco 49ers. So it was a great performance. And again, Phil, this actually kind of ties into knowing when and how to buy and sell. And Antonio Brown, his value would never be higher than that game right after a nationally televised Sunday night game of getting almost 200 yards. Every manager sees that game. Now, some that are very savvy are going to say, well, he may not be able to sustain it. He's, he probably won't. But he's still a very, very good receiver. So it was at that particular time, that day after, I packaged that on in there. That would be an upgrade and tight end for him, and that would give him additional running back depth and, again, Antonio Brown. So we made that deal happen. It was uh, Brandon Marshall for Antonio Brown, Jared Cook, and Amari Bradshaw. And and I will say, one of the things I love about your league is, um, or our league, is that you have to defend you have to defend trades. <laughs> and <laughs> we're the twelve twelve person league and you need seven people to veto it. And we established the baseline three or four years ago that you just can't submit a veto. Okay? You need yeah. to submit a veto with some reasoning. Okay? Yeah. Um and you know, one of the things that's frustrating for me sometimes is guys just want to veto to veto because it's a deal that they would not make. <laughs> You know, and and the deal you mentioned is perhaps a deal that I would not make, but at the same time, I don't think it was a a a grossly um, unfairly uh, trade. You know, where you've got somebody who just doesn't know any better. You know, um, maybe sixty forty type of split in terms of value. But when you own three, you need to shake it up. You need to move. You know, you need to move that twenty dollar bill that, you know, is worth $100 because it's in great condition and it's from, you know, 1800 you need to move that to get some extra money, to get some extra pieces. So, um, yeah. you know, that move that move had some conversation going. And, and I'd like to say you got pretty close close to that seven vetoes needed. I mean, you were probably around five or so, I think. Yeah, I believe so. And, uh, again, I think that what that does, again, just talking about the league, it adds a different dynamic to it. So you really get the feel yeah. of the managers. A lot of managers would chime in and say, you know, you you get some, like the diabolical hater that you mentioned earlier, uh, Paige out of Dallas, 
you know, he's going to veto the veto. When you got a trade and he's not involved, he's going to veto it. And, I mean, you get you one guy that sparks up some. Wait a minute. You call him a diabolical <laughs> hater? <laughs> Sometimes you just, you know, I've seen a cat that just hates. Uh, so, you know, you'll get those guys. They'll stir up one or two people. All of a sudden, you got a whirlwind of people that uh, that they just don't want to see this, so they're going to try to make it happen. But, again, the rule is put in place to get rid of any unfair trade. So if the majority of the league deems that this is an unfair trade, absolutely, the, the trade will be vetoed within, you know, that time frame. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, you listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. The fantasy cipher is a little bit different this week. Eric and I are kind of in the back room, uh, just just talking sports, uh, kind of going off script a little bit. This is your first time listening. You know, next week, whenever we're on with the cipher, we'll be more, uh, you know, kind of clean and quick, in and out, in and out of our cuts a little bit better. Uh, but but I'm having fun talking fantasy football with Eric, and you know, a couple of first, first of all, let me put it out there, Derek Page, we love you. We love you. I know we've been sleeping on you. A lot of times we don't bring in personal friends into the podcast. Uh, we just had our 200th podcast uh, since 2010. All right. Uh, it, it, uh, DP, you one of the first personal friends that's come on, you know, just through conversation. So, uh, so it's all love. Um, but, Eric, I want to continue with my roster. Um, so yeah. in this league, I, uh, I picked up Antonio Gates. You know, I took a flyer out on him. You know, last year he was injured, the year before he was injured, and he's one of those guys like Antonio Gates is the reason why, you know, at 1240 I'm kind of itching at church trying to figure out is he going to be active or not. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he's the guy why I watch the morning shows, trying to figure out if he's going to play the last couple of years. So right now um, I have Antonio Gates. Uh, I played him last week. He got me 36 points. I think he caught 10 balls mm. for over 130 yards and a touch. Um, our league is 36 points because we got some bonuses in there for yardage. Um, but the guy that I normally start got 41 points. He was on my bench. Yeah. Uh, Gonzalez out of uh, – Tony Gonzalez in Atlanta. So right now I'm trying to figure out, should I keep them both? Um, should I try to get – value out of them, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening in a similar dilemma in terms of Gates, either trying to get him in a trade or figuring out can they trust him on a weekly basis. Listen, it's, in my opinion, you have managers out there that are in need of a tight end, and if you if you do and you can bolster up your receiving core by trading that, that tight end, a Gonzalez, because he has a huge name, or Gates, whichever one you want to move. But, again, Gonzalez coming off a great game, nationally televised game. Gates, everybody knows the name. He has that household name, and he's coming off a big game. Moving one of those and packaging in uh, the third-tier receiver, wide receiver three, something like that, for a number one wide receiver, I think that's a trade you have to make. And, again, you know, with someone with your record, I think you're three and one at this point, you can, you know, you want to continue to bolster that 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 roster and giving up a second tight end and a wide receiver that you may not even use other than depth on the bench to spot fill for a bye week. In my opinion, that's a that, that's a trade or an offer that you have to make. You got to find somebody out there that's desperate for a tight end. Excuse me, that you can lump these uh, lump it up in with another receiver and try to make it make a play for a. Uh, you know, for for a top a top tier receiver, a top ten receiver at least. Yeah, we've we've got a guy in our league, the postman, who uh, who's having a tough go at it, and he's uh, starting Charles Clay at tight end, who's been up and down. And uh, I proposed the following trade: I proposed um, Demarius Thomas for Gates, uh, Antonio Gates, or Gonzalez. He can pick. Um, and packaging Gates with or Gonzalez with Anquan Bolden, which is exactly what you just said. Um, I haven't heard from the guy in three days, so uh, that deal's not going to go through. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I not like Denarius, I, I like it. But not Denarius Thomas. Uh, I'm sorry, Demarius Thomas. I'm having a tough time with names tonight, Eric. Um, but if not Demarius Thomas, um, what tier receiver or who are some guys you think would fit into that 
wide receiver one that might make that deal happen? Um, I think again, going for uh, going for the big name guys. You know your your Calvin Johnsons. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on the huge names, the Johnsons, the Thomases. But I think you know, especially like Julio Jones, individuals that have Julio are very high on them. Dez yeah. Bryant, I think that may be somebody you can try to slide by because, in my opinion, Dez the top two or three receiver this year. Once the year's done, you may be able to put Dez under there. I don't. Wes Welker, that's about, another one. Anybody yeah, on that Denver receiving core? Yeah, I mean Welker. Uh, I actually have uh, Eric Decker, so I'm a little frustrated with uh, with Welker getting all these passes and touchdowns. But yeah, Welker's another <laughs> one. Everyone knows how he gets down. The guy catches quite a bit of passes. He's going to be there. He's on a very high-powered offense. Now, something to consider with this Denver receiving core is that Denver's four and zero right now. They're going to lock this division up by week ten, eleven. 12, 13, whatever. When our championship starts in fantasy football, are they going to be out there playing? That's something That's to right. consider because Denver's going to wrap this up early. So when you're, again, keeping your eyes on the prize, which is a championship, you know, that's week you know, 15 in the NFL season, 15 and 6, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Are these guys going to be out there? And a team like Denver, the way they're looking, the way they're clicking, they're not going to have their guys out there playing hard, you know, in week 15. So, again, it's just something you want to consider because they're going to have this division locked up very quickly and not, they're not going to have much to play for. You listen to Real Sports Guys and realsportsguys.com. Uh, Eric, who's a surprise guy in fantasy football this year? Um, you know what? Better question. Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think about him? It, it seems like they got some production out of Bell. Um, this past week. But then it seems like the last two weeks they've decided that they're just going to be a passing team. What do you think that means for Big Ben's Big Ben's fantasy value this year? Well, our league is, is kind of unique in that we the quarterbacks get deemed quite a bit for things that Ben Roethlisberger does a lot of. So Ben Roethlisberger takes a lot of sacks. And with taking sacks, you're giving up two points every time he gets sacked. Then, you know, he fumbles the ball a little bit. You know, same with Michael Vick. Those two guys in our league, they get dinged quite a bit because of their, their playing style. So Ben threw for, you know, almost 400 yards this last game, but in our league he finished with 13 or 14 points. Well, it's because you were sacked five or six times, so you gave up 10 or 12 points. So he's one of those guys where, depending on the format of your league, he could be a very, very strong play because he's going to he's gonna toss that ball quite a bit because it looks like they have discovered that we need to throw this ball to be effective and we're going to throw it to Antonio Brown and Emmanuel. Um, but in ours, he's just not a – he's not an elite quarterback. He's not even on that second-tier quarterback. Um, I have him on my team. I'm just kind of holding on to him, but I know I should let him go. It's just like, you know, I don't want to let him go. <laughs> there you have it. Fantasy football cipher. Eric, it's been fun talking to you, man. Um, I uh, I've effectively taken the national radio show and and uh, had you talk about my team, the specific trade situations. Uh, I apologize for those out there that's like, what is this guy doing? Um, but I'm feeling good about my teams moving forward. Uh, it's been fun, my friend. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. As always, it's a pleasure to be with the crew. Anytime, any day. I'm like the Shogun of Harlem. <laughs> All right, Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, brought to you by Resistance Digital. Um, we'll be back next week. No, uh, no normal show for us Tuesday night. And good luck in fantasy football week number five.